This is IT Visionaries, your number one source for actionable insights and exclusive interviews with CIOs, CTOs, and CISOs, and many more. I'm your host, Albert Chow, a former CIO, former sales VP, and now podcast host. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of IT Visionaries. And today we have a special guest. His name is Chris Byers. He is the CEO of a company called Formstack. If you go visit Formstack at formstack.com, they say they automate work and innovate faster. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be here and looking forward to the conversation. Hey, listen, I love that proposition that your company has. I'm excited to meet you, but I also got to be totally transparent. I don't really know what that means. Automate work, innovate faster. Give us, and for anyone who's listening who's not as familiar with Formstack, can you tell us what does the company do and give us an idea of like what your customers experience when they install Formstack? Let's start with the, just the basic question. Would you like to automate more in your life? Would you like to, especially in your work life, would you like to save time with what you're doing? I, I see some, some positive affirmation there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's what we think about every day. And so the way that we do that is through uh, data collection. So think about building an online web form, document generation. So think about generating uh, templated documents that you use over and over again, and then taking that all the way to e-signature. So if you, if you pair all those things up, all of a sudden you've got a platform that allows people to build really interesting and complex workflows, but all without any technical knowledge at all. And so the way that plays out often is, uh, you know, think about maybe a, a sales kind of environment where a client fills out some sort of lead form or, or whatever, they want to get a quote. And so that's automatically generated, maybe based on some information they give you. Then you want to take that to a contract and, and maybe it's just salesperson says, yep, this is great. Let's go for it. And then that goes to e-signature. And so all of a sudden you've got a transaction that historically has been really complicated, a lot of back and forth emails, and it's just dead simple and, and happens in moments. So that's what we love to try to do and, and try to do that for, again, the non-technical users so they can build these really powerful workflows. So I am going to predate Formstack a little bit. Well, I guess Formstack's been around for a little bit, but I, I had experiences like this. And I used to always joke with people that are starting up software companies and they want to invest in certain things. Like uh, you mentioned before, CRM sales automation. I always say it's not necessary to beginning. Let it become a problem before you automate it. Because I was a part of a startup where at first, like you said, producing proposals, producing quotes wasn't really a big deal. It didn't occupy much of my day, but it became a big deal. And it got really annoying <laughs> really yeah. fast. And we would hire people to like kind of integrate. And I remember the key word I just said is I, we hired outside help to help integrate and automate some things for us. And this is back in 2014, 2015, but we could immediately tell just because we were producing quotes faster, because we were being able to be responsive to our customers faster, our sales uh, cycles, our sales windows started to drop. And our general, I would say, dissatisfaction in our sales force <laughs> started to drop as well, because they used to complain, like most of my day is doing paperwork. This is annoying. Absolutely. And I'm sure that's a story you hear over and over again. But the, the big key here is you have, or your team is developing more ways to make this so that you don't need an outside vendor. Like we literally hired an outside vendor because we made an assessment that it was not worth our engineers' time to do this when they could keep building the product. Give us an idea of what has changed to make what I experienced five, six years ago completely different to what your customers are experiencing now. And I think this was probably true for you even uh, five, six, seven years ago, which is if I came to you and said, hey, can you like just scratch this out on a piece of paper? Like, How, how is this process supposed to work better? 
you'd have no problem with that. Where your challenge might be is maybe you didn't have the coding skills or language or background, or you didn't have the platforms to get that done. And so you said, well, I, I know where to go get that. I can find an outside resource and I can describe this to them and they'll take care of it. What we've really tried to invest in is making every tool that we build easy, you know, drag and drop style experiences where um, you can you can take that thing that you scratched out on a piece of paper and just start to build it and start to see it visualized quickly. And then the other thing we've invested in, I love that you mentioned integration. We've invested in what is more than 200 native integrations because we believe, sure, you can use tools like Power Automate or Zapier, but we want to make sure that we can provide that with our own platform because everything you do on our platform needs to touch those other systems that you have, those CRMs, those uh, marketing automation systems, uh, or, or if you're in maybe a vertical, an EMR or something like that. And so we've tried to just make uh, that user experience so easy that hopefully you never have to even talk to us. Like you can get in, start to just use it. And in 10 or 15 minutes, you're like, okay, at least I have a sense of how this works. I'm ready to kind of commit to, I think we can get this done in a bigger way. Well, I know that we grew and we added like a new product SKU. And so we adding into the CRM was easy, but then getting it to show up on our proposals and pitches and quotes became a little bit harder. And remember we called up our service provider and they said, you got to fill out a change order, which we're like, yep, that's not fun, but okay. Still, it was worth it. We did it. When I think of how quickly soft, enterprise software specifically, I would say enterprise software or B2B software is changing so fast is the user-friendly elements that keeps improving to the point where, like you said, a non-technical person could integrate it or could build it or could possibly connect it to another application that needs data from another application to fill out whatever form you're doing. How much, I guess, testing or how much development, research, effort, how would you say your resources tilted between like the back-end engineering and the front-end experience to make it that simple? Because it's got to work, but it also kind of like your value prop is it's got to be simple. There's a lot of ways to engineer products. We've over time experimented with a lot of them, but for a long time, we would say we were a user experience-driven kind of product development company. So user experience was usually the first to the table. They were talking to customers and then they'd go sketch out whatever the look needed to be or, or the tool set or whatever, put it in front of customers, get them to test it. And then that's actually really where we brought engineering in. That's a little bit more even today, but we still invest heavily in user experience. And in fact, human design interaction, we have um, someone on our team who leads the team and she is a professor in human design interaction. And it's all about just making sure that as we're building our tools, as we're building our products, customers can quickly get in and get the fastest result. Because as we all know, we're all fatigued by trying something out. It doesn't work. We try again, maybe we go to support and somewhere in there, we just kind of give up and we say, <laughs> this is not going to work anymore. And you're like, I'll just write the check for somebody to do it for me. We want people to feel that win themselves. Like, man, I'm powerful. I, I got this done on my own. How do you and your team, how do you guys think of a successful integration or, or a successful customer using your using the Formstack product? Is it based upon how many like integrations they build? Is it based upon how many, I don't know, lack of calls you get? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What does success look like to, to your team? 
at its core, one of the things we're always thinking about is how, how do we get people to what we term as interactions? And so an interaction might be, I got someone to fill out a form or to generate a document or to take something to e-signature or drop something into an integration. And so as those are building, as those are growing with customers, that's where we see really good success. So a great example is you know, kind of large hospital system in the Southeast. They started with us with some simple marketing lead capture forms and they had a lot of websites to manage. And so they had a lot of those forms. Well, one day they had a a security breach and on their core platform. And they said, you know what, we need to do something more secure. And so they moved 400 forms over to Formstack over just a handful of days and uh, have continued to grow since then. So if you actually look in their uh, their usage patterns, they've got 50 different use cases that live across our platform. And that's patient registration, clinical operations, billing. And so those are where we see really amazing successes is somebody internally, often the IT department says, oh, I want to invest in this because I don't have to do the work anymore. I can, I can actually go to the marketing team and say, hey, why don't you use Formstack? You can probably solve some of these problems on your own. And then I can get back to managing these behemoth systems that live behind the scenes, which is probably really what their core job is. And I'm assuming the answer is yes, but I just want to clarify. And I'm assuming you're writing, you're securely writing the data back to the destination database, or is it still... Yeah. Like the old school way where you get an e-sig and the person has to like lift the data out of the form into whatever, they're, whatever they're using. That's a great point. It's that, that's a, uh, kind of the beauty of our product. We can produce that end, you know, PDF document that you need for the record, but you can pull all that data right back out of it to use in the next workflow or to enrich your customer data or just to keep in your CRM record. And so it does create this uh, simple way to pull everything together. You see, this is where this is where people that are cloud native, I always joke, I always say this because I've observed this quite frequently, is when you talk to someone who's cloud native, they a lot of times have skipped over or they're not familiar with what is actually happening at most enterprises. And to that point where you just said, which is at a medical facility, it's funny you mentioned that because I my the thing I was thinking about was one of my friends, he did an RPA project for an eye doctor, like fran- it's like a franchise, but it's basically, like, you know, there's like, it's called like my eye doctor or something like that. It's got all these locations and how the franchisees report the data back up to the accounting systems. And the old way they said, they told us was through forms. They offshored it where people were literally keying the data into the database after that. And I was like, that's gotta be full of errors. That has to be, <laughs> like, it cannot be accurate. And they're explaining how ledgers had to close. RPA came that solved that. But now you're saying, you know, why even use RPA? Like just drop the data straight to the database. Yeah, that's exactly right. To your point, there's no errors. Um, it's immediate. And I love the the medical example always because every one of us still walks into doctor's offices and still fill out paperwork. And so I kind of always have this uh, thing that's like, We've got work to do until we can walk in and get our car registration and see the doctor and these just legacy kind of processes that just continue to be paper-based. Until those are gone, there's just so much work and opportunity ahead. So Formstack's one of those companies, it's been, it's been building over time. And for our audience that's not familiar, give us an idea. What's the history of the company and where did you get involved? The company was launched in 2006 and it was actually launched by a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Ade Alano. We had actually met in college, started a software company together, totally different software company. 
Um, we did that for a handful of years. And eventually we were like, we're never going to make any money. We were paying the interns more than we were making. And so we said, all right, let's, let's move on. And then a couple of years later, he started Formstack just because he's an engineer, but he was like, you know what? Hand coding forms is the worst thing I do all day <laughs> and it's in everything. And so I want to make this easier for myself and then for my customers. Eventually in, in 2010, he had started yet another company. And so I said, hey, I'll come in. I'd been an early investor, early uh, kind of user of the product. And I said, I'll come in and help you find a CEO uh, to run it for the long term. And then it's been 12 years and I'm still here. So it's been a great journey where, you know, early days, we uh, we raised less than a million dollars in kind of angel dollars, uh, really built the business all the way to 12 million in ARR before we took an, our first institutional Kind of investor and then that happened in 2018 and since then have accelerated growth not only organic growth but then doing acquisitions at the same time it's an interesting run because we mentioned this in every show but before we have any guests on you know of course we get pitched different ideas we always review the company and say okay what's this about what's interesting hooks what are some interesting stories we can tell and one of the things that we saw or observed and we think we're observing is just this rise this very much so rise of automating the office work, right? Like it, it, you're in that, you're in that group. I would put you in that group and like the funding rounds kind of like demonstrate that. Like we saw a billion dollar plus valuation just not too long ago, even though the company's been around. So, you know, you see other competitors that get type form job form, like there, but there's not just that there's, you know, all these other document based companies that are trying to figure out ways to make document handling better, easier, simpler, faster. Something tells me something has fundamentally shifted more recently. What do you think the major shift is? Has like has the UI technology finally caught up to integrate into all these systems? Is it that over time you've integrated enough systems? Is it because APIs have gotten polished enough? Is it all the things? Give us an idea of where this acceleration is coming from. Well, I think a couple of things have happened. One is you see this rise of endless new products and applications. And yeah. <laughs> um, we all go adopt this like one product for this tiny sliver of work that we do every day. We'll find these little things, but then they stack up over time and nothing integrates well enough. And so this creates this opportunity for us to live in the middle, connecting systems, bringing them together. I'd say the other thing that's re been really cool in the past handful of years is companies are finding that they, uh, they need to employ people who really sit around all day and, and simply ask the question, how can I help other people in this company save time and, and save money? And so they'll go maybe audit a process and they'll say, hey, like, let me bring Formstack in or, or another product and let's solve this process. And a uh, you know, great example, I, I talked to a customer not that long ago who her entire job is, is doing just that. And she went in um, actually to a nurse and listen to the process that she at kind of at a bedside would do and quickly automated it with Formstack and saved 40 hours uh, a month for that nurse. And so just one person. And so that type of really kind of genius level person that's sitting in an organization who can help bring people along and say, hey, I can, I can help you. I think that investment has, has made our success better, but lots of companies just like us more successful. So that story is very similar in many stories that I've read where the best ideas a lot of times are, they come from the people that are closest to the work. So if they have the tools to do something about it, you might be pleasantly surprised at how much innovation actually is inside your organization. I think famous examples are, you know, the Big Mac wasn't Ray Kroc's idea. It came from a franchisee. They developed that recipe, right? 
it wasn't Jeff Bezos who figured out, hey, you don't need to actually stack products in alpha or locator order. <laughs> it was just like, yep. just put them, put them wherever, <laughs> right? And to your point, someone who's practicing on the floor is the one that's most likely to observe, hey, this is a better way to complete this task. You get an interesting seat because you get to see oversee all these different companies doing different things. Is that really who's coming up with the innovations? It's like, it's a two-way innovation street where it's like, hey, maybe central office or center of excellence is coming up with ways to automate and make things better. And also the field is doing the same thing. Like, do you, do you get insight into that? Yeah. I mean, I actually think we see more and more um, that frontline kind of individual contribu- contributor is actually yeah. usually the first point of contact with Formstack. So they'll come in, start to build something, and then they'll share it with somebody in the you know, in the next department or in their department. And then it tends to balloon uh, over time. And so eventually IT comes in and is like, oh, this is this is a great tool. But it is, uh, you know, we think about, we've got uh, 25,000 customers. They have 35 million employees. And so there are so many people out there who are solving these or feeling the pain of these really important problems in anything from retailers to travel companies to, um, you know, to law firms, and they can solve these complex problems and they can do it for their department. They get this big win as a department and don't have to go to IT always. It's great to bring IT in often, but it it doesn't always have to happen. And so, yeah, we're seeing more and more of that just kind of like innovative personality who always lives in a department. You always have them. You know that person to go to when you're like, oh, I've got this problem. I know they can help me solve it. <laughs> I think we got a couple of those people on our team right now. In our company, we know we're a podcast production company. You wouldn't think that that much technology was necessary. I, at least I, I wouldn't think so. But it's it's amazing how many SaaS tools we use and how disconnected they are and how information I always used to joke that like, if you, if no matter what your data looks like, ask three people, three customers, how they should get it. Like they all have three different answers. You know, it's constantly the administrative work is starting to eat into our day. We see it. What you're describing right now is our producers are coming up with new innovative ways. They're the ones shopping the tools to figure out how can we automate this faster? Is that something when you guys talk to, let's say CIOs, CTOs, when your team is talking to new customers, prospective customers, is that the new CIO mindset, which is I need to acquire tooling that my people, the team can leverage and build up? Because of course, the old school way is I dictate down. Is that like a big concern of CIOs and CTOs? They want to see the product and like, hey, how could someone else use it? Like they're not worried about how they're going to use it. They're like, hey, how would someone else use this? A couple of things that we think about. First, we did a report earlier this year, which we called the state of workflow automation. And so we did research with hundreds of companies actually, I think it was a couple thousand in the end, who said a couple of things like 96% of organizations actually said, we are not optimized. We know from a workflow perspective, there's so much more opportunity. And yet 60% of businesses said, we are investing in digital, you know, the move to digital, moving more processes that way, et cetera. And so that's absolutely a representation of the CIO and, and, you know, the IT team, et cetera, saying, Security is vital. So they want the controls, um, which are super important to make sure are there. Um, but if they have those controls over security and they, and they can kind of feel good there, they want to give those tools over to people. And, and they'll often ask these user experience related questions. I can remember a, a higher ed institution, almost their entire interview process for our product was about user experience because they, they knew people loved and, and it was just easier 
to use products when the user experience was, was kind of dead simple. And so that's where they spent a lot of time trying to understand uh, how the product work. That's interesting. So like it's bled into the buying cycle. Absolutely. Because we all know this and funny enough, it, there's even a morale factor to it. If you use legacy software, yeah, you have to go to work every day knowing you're going to use that legacy software that's hard to use. It's clunky. These days, because people are digital forward, they know that they can get jobs that have, you know, cool new software that works well. And is, <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. And so uh, it does become a really important part of the buying process. I got a funny story to tell about that. Uh, for those of you, you know, Chris, you said you work a lot with medical com- or medical systems. One of the major EMR players. I'm going to dog them right now. But <laughs> we when my wife was pregnant, <laughs> we had filled out this form, these forms for early intake so that if, you know, when, when, yep. or when the baby came, we didn't have to do all that check-in process. They would have it on file on everything and we could walk right in. You know, she she can deliver her the baby. And this was going to be the third one. We get there. They didn't have the paper. They didn't have the record. They, she's literally in labor screaming and they're asking her like, what's your social? And I was like, this can't be the way. So this was 2015. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you and, could see the frustration on the nurse you know I, I could see it the nurse wanted to help but she's like i'm required to fill in all this info before i can take care of you absolutely and unfortunately even seven years later it's it's not gotten as much better as you'd have hoped like the yeah covid did actually spike some of those uses because they were just forced to but we would love to see that <laughs> improve <laughs> over a lot more time so or shorter period of time yeah are you so are you seeing i guess like for yourself, for your industry, are you seeing more sales cycles happening? Like, is this starting to accelerate even more? Like, how are you seeing the adoption happening? Because I think if we all sit back, you know, because I think when we all think to our own jobs, maybe a lot of us are in technical jobs where maybe we don't work with paper as much. But then if like your medical cases, I'm saying if you've done any legal work, uh, anyone out there, government for sure, a lot of our lives are on paper still. They're in PDFs. It's annoying, but <laughs> I just got a form from my bank. It's a PDF. I have to fill it out, save it, send it back to them. I don't know how they're going to get all the info off, but okay. Um, <laughs> like they want it via email. Yeah. Okay, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but give us an idea. Like, are these industries starting to call you more? Like finance, government, medical, or are you getting more and more calls all the time? Give us an idea of how yeah. these industries are adopting this. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is I looked just really it was last week. I was looking at, you know, we'll see hundreds of people sign up for maybe a trial of our product or to learn more every single day. And across uh, kind of a, just a day of signups are multiple hospital systems, multiple universities, digital companies like consulting companies, uh, hotels. Because of course, think about the, even the paper processes. Uh, if you think about checking out of your room and the cleaning crew coming to show up, that is often a very, very manual process. And so there are so many opportunities in so many industries that need more and more of of what we do. And in fact, kind of like you described, I still am just shocked every single, I call it even week, where I get something uh, who's like, you know, type your credit card on this PDF and then email it back to me. It's like, oh my gosh, so insecure, also, you're going to have to go type this somewhere else and then you're going to keep it and, you know, use it again in the future. It's just like there's still just so, so much 
paper, PDF, email kind of work. And so I, we kind of see the opportunity is still this $130 billion opportunity to convert people to really powerful digital experiences. For anyone who's who, who's listening and you might say to yourself, no, we already have mobile checkout. Chris, I have the process that it's still definitely paper for sure at one of the major hotel chains because I just witnessed it last week when the cleaning crew was going through. I could see that they actually have like this manifest. They have this paper manifest that tells them who's in what rooms, as well as like if they're, you know, a diamond member or whatever the case may be. And do, like, do I leave a chocolate or not? Do they get water or not? Do they have laundry? Like literally this. So I asked the person, because I'm curious and I'm always curious about things like this. I asked, well, okay, so you've done it. How do you report back that it's done? And so she was describing that she has to fill out her paperwork. And I guess there's a terminal at the workstation and she gets back to the workstation. She'll key these things in. And I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, so what happens if you miss scratch one or if you like, you know, because it's in a sequence, you know how it is. Like you're counting down a column, you accidentally skip one and you fill the other one in, then all of your records from that point down are incorrect. And think about that process as a, consumer of a hotel, the most critical thing, like the most critical part of your experience is when do I get to check in? Do I get to check in early? And it's always a question of, is your room clean? And so if there's a delay in getting that information, you're just like delaying that positive experience for that many more people. In addition to that, you're causing employees to just spend endless amounts of time on manual and tedious work. Can't they just register your key card? Like you went in and you left by the time you scan into another room, can't they just mark that one clean? And the, the person just looked at me just like, <laughs> like <laughs> I mean, I was thinking about these things, but you, to your point, there's so many systems that we just, we just haven't integrated or haven't built ways to bring information from system A to system B. So we see companies in, in your area or arena doing these kinds of things for yourself. What has it been like for you personally overseeing growth like this? Because you have an interesting background. We looked it up. You have a background in uh, financial services. We saw that you were part of a software company back in the day, but you've seen this grow so much, right? You've been CEO for 12 years. Like most like the growth has been towards the, like if we were to split your time as CEO into quarters, it's most of it's in the last quarter. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's, it's, That's true. it's been in the last quarter of your, of your career. Give us an idea for yourself. What's it been like for you overseeing a team? Like you mentioned, you were doing 12 million of revenue. Now you're doing your, or your valuation is into the billions. The day I started, we had seven people. And today, you know, kind of well over 300 people. And, and you know, the, the thing that I experience over and over again is every time you hit these stages of growth, I, I would say the last one was about the time we hit 250 people, you kind of have to recraft the company. Sure, some values stay the same. You're still ultimately selling the same product. But all of a sudden, you need team members to think very, very differently. You used to be able to survive on these like uh, team members who could do everything and they could jump on any problem. They love to just be in the grind. All of a sudden you need team members who uh, have seen some scale and they know how to build systems that can keep growing and they know how to build team members and build teams. And so I'd say that it's been a fascinating journey. And of course, we've gone through acquisitions. And so that was a very new thing for us to go from completely organically building the company to buying a company and trying to find ways to integrate the team and then integrate the product so that users could have a great experience. And so it's been a fascinating journey uh, kind of along the way. For yourself, what do you think is going to happen if you were to, because, you know, one of the things that CEOs get tasked with is to have that foresight, right? What do you see for yourself or for your company in the next five years? 
We know right now I'm thinking a whole lot about how can we pay attention to just the markets? Like the economy is in, we'll call it questionable territory. Sure. And so uh, for us, we know that the, the great thing about our product is since we save people time, we should be able to interact and intersect with people who are still needing to solve time-saving problems and still needing to solve money-saving problems. And so we're trying to build some really powerful insights so that we know what industries most need our product, what buyers, what types of use cases are most important. And then over time, we're really just trying to build a culture that uh, is, is a great winning culture that's super diverse and, and can represent our customer base, which is diverse, global, um, you know, and represents so, so much around the world. And so we're trying to just build the systems, build the team, build the people to, uh, to make that super successful. You know, one of the things you talked about a couple of times and uh, we heard on some of your podcasts is this idea of diverse thought and process because your team is literally solving problems that I don't want to say it's unknown, but it's each company is going to do things their own way, which means they're going to or they're going to have unique team members or staff or requirements. Everything's going to be unique. And your team's job is to kind of help them use your technology to slot their process in a way that automates it. What kind of skills have you seen for yourself? that work great for this because there's no, I'm pretty sure there's not a playbook. Like you can't give someone a playbook. Oh, if A, then do B. If, you know, C, then do D. Like, I don't think there's a playbook for your team. I think they have to like kind of hear a problem and be like, okay, Formstack is going to be the tool that connects pieces, but I got to understand what pieces to connect. What kind of skill does that require? One of our cultural values is something we call get to work on solving problems. And so we culturally hire people who, if faced with a problem, they don't go spend endless hours researching. They don't go spend, you know, they don't go ask for a bunch of permission. They just say, hey, I think I'm going to go tackle this and see if I can figure it out. And the great part about that is it, it does translate into what you just described, which is customers come along and they describe things. The first layer of description of their problem, you're usually like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, the thing in the place, I want to change that. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and they're using like industry specific language. And, and so you kind of have to be a problem solver to not only connect how should our products tie together to solve that problem, but to even to understand and help them map out the solution. And so culturally, we've tried to build these cultural values that we hire for. So, you know, we've got an actual group of people uh, during the hiring process that all they really care about is culture. So, your skills, of course, we want to make sure good and, you know, background, et cetera. But if you don't fit that culture, it, it's going to be hard to sur survive and, and succeed here. And so I think for all companies, really, and, and I actually think even if companies have overarching values, I think teams have an opportunity to build their own value system that don't conflict with that overarching values, but they're just a little bit more specific. You know, our engineers, for instance, are always thinking about how do we solve problems efficiently and with the least amount of code. And that looks different than how does HR solve problems. And so I think where we've been able to kind of build and invest in culture, it's been a great win. So when you think about the type of backgrounds and personalities, you mentioned that problem solving culture. You mentioned this idea like, hey, you see problems as things that are, you know, that you want to tackle versus ask for permission or get guidelines to do. How has that, has that changed over the years? Did you like develop that more recently? And if so, how have you seen, I guess, the marketplace fulfill that problem set? Because one of the things that we continuously hear about tech workers as well, and other software leaders they talk about is the, you know, the skills gap. And so this skill gap of problem solving, it's not quite a technical skill, 
it's not a soft skill. It's certainly a hard to assess skill, right? Like you got to like, it's a hard to assess skill. Do you see more and more people fitting the mold of what you're looking for? Is it still, you think it's a bit of a skills gap in your dimension? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because, you know, even just being, being at it 12 years, all of a sudden, 10, 10, 12 years ago, I, I, our youngest team member uh, might have been in, you know, even 18 or 19 or 20 or whatever. And now we've like skipped to a new generation of people. And so it's interesting to bring new generations in and see they have certain skills that like, say, my generation doesn't have. <laughs> and then they don't have some skills that, that we've got to teach. And so one of the things we've tried to do is embrace a much more diverse culture. And so, you know, we're thinking across age, we're thinking across background origin of birth, et cetera. And what that, one of the things I've seen that's been amazing is you kind of pair up somebody who is, uh, you know, in their fifties or, or, um, whatever with somebody who's in their twenties and, you know, the person in their twenties is still like, they're willing to knock down walls in ways that someone who's a little bit more seasoned is like, ah, I don't need to do that anymore. But they bring the patience, uh, the like, Hey, let's keep working at this problem. Let's look at it a little bit differently. And so it's almost the same values, but really helping bringing a more diverse perspective to those values just like fills them out in a more powerful way. And so I think those people working together, even if there are skill gaps coming in, it becomes relatively easy to kind of teach the, you know, teach them and get people on board quickly. So if I was listening to this podcast and, you know, let's say I haven't majored, I've just chosen my major, I'm in school or maybe I'm not in school. I guess it doesn't really matter. Give us an idea. What what would you advise a young person or a person that's looking to go into a new field or career? What would you advise them, like skills wise? What should they work on? I still go back to if you can. Um, this this may sound way oversimplified, but if you can learn to master Excel or Google Sheets or something like that, I mean, really, one of those two products. That one skill set, I still believe. Uh, there's a lot of yeah. others you need to learn. You need I'm a big learn. believer too. <laughs> you can build these endless like examples of what you're trying to build, or literally it's the solution because you're modeling out something for, for someone. But take that even a little bit further, and, and maybe it's Excel, but go use an Airtable, use a form stack, use, use a tool that's a little bit of a blank slate and start to solve, um, just try to solve some problems. Because if you can bring that into your work, you just add so much more value to your team because you're going to be the one that people go to and say, our sales process, our marketing process is not working right. Uh, What do we do? And then you're like, hey, well, let me go pull this product out. Let me model something for you or literally build the solution. And all those products have free trials too. So you can get in and learn. And often they have certifications that they want you to take that are free. You can just stack up this education and learning that you can walk into your next job with and and be able to share. Hey, I'm I'm ready to go. Chris, I got to say, I love that you said that because this is something that we identified. um, So the first software company I I was a part of, we were a social media enterprise, social media marketing system. We had the same problem you had, which is like, you can't go ask for that skill because social media advertising, this hasn't really been around. So what kind of skills would you need? And we identified independently for everyone listening. I didn't know Chris at the time. We found out the same thing, which is people that were good at Excel ended up being able to be better at their, at their job than others. We started requesting it. There's another personality trait we found was really good too, which was teachers. And I, and I still live by that today. If former teachers make great team members because they have some level of patience and this sounds bad, but it's actually quite good for you, the employer, which is they tend to have been 
maybe not as respected as much. So they kind of have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. So you find a teacher who's exceptional Excel, you're going to have yourself a great team member. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, and, and actually, I, I love the teacher example. The one other thing they do exceptionally is they know how to explain things. And yeah. in a business, you run across a lot of people who struggle to explain what they're, you know, the thing that's in their head. And so I love that uh, example. There you go. Well, Chris, man, it was a lot of fun having you today on IT Visionaries. Thanks for sharing us the story of Formstack. You know, it's one of those companies, like I said, it's very interesting because it has this, it has a longer history, which most cloud companies just don't. They just don't, right? And then like a lot, you can tell doing just a little bit of homework that most of your growth has exploded like in the last four years. And so it's really cool having you on the show, having seen, like you said, you sat through, for those that didn't catch it, he was overseeing a company of seven employees to now a company valued into the billions, going global, trying to build forms everywhere. And uh, Chris, man, I hope you succeed because let me tell you something. If I have to fill out another PDF, because I've been doing this for banks and hospitals and because I got kids, every pediatrician's office, same thing. I'm still filling out forms. Someone's got to automate this, Chris. It's got to be you. You got to get it done. (laughs) That sounds good. (laughs) Albert, awesome to talk. I want to say before you go, it is time for the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to us by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Chris, this is where we ask you questions outside of the world of work so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. You ready? I'm ready. All right. A lot of CEOs, not going to lie, they may not use their product anymore. Do you use Formstack? Oh, yes. And I'm still irritated when I meet team members who have not gotten in and built a form and built a document and connected them together. Uh, so I, I love using the product. Listen, if you're out there listening and you're trying to interview at Formstack, go ahead and learn the product first yes. before you talk to Chris. <laughs> don't, 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 don't let him see you when not knowing what to do. For yourself, what do you like to do for fun outside of work? I've picked up kayaking recently. So uh, I get out on the water and just row. It's quiet. It's peaceful. And that's been a lot of fun. So are you a flat water kayaker, open ocean kayaker, or are you a white water kayaker, or do you do it all? Uh, I theoretically should be doing it all. So far, all I've gotten is, is the flat water. So we'll, uh, we'll advance eventually to the, uh, the rapids and things like that. When you're not kayaking, what do you do to like, what do you like to do to like innovate, think, pontificate when you're starting to get in your deep thought of like how you're going to strategize for the future? What are you doing? Are you, are you a walker or do you cook? What, what do you do to like start where you're thinking just starts going forward? You know, I, I do love walking, but you know, the, one of the most effective things I do is I take my phone, I leave it at home. I go get in the car and I'll go to a coffee shop and know that I've got maybe two, three, four hours where my, nothing is going to distract me. And all of a sudden, just not having your phone for a handful of hours, just things start popping in your mind that, that didn't exist beforehand. And so that's been a, a newer habit, but been super helpful in innovating. Oh, that's so simple. Yet <laughs> it's something I think a lot of people are not willing to do. We go to these great lengths like, oh, we got to learn how to meditate. You're like, hey, man, just put the phone away. Just put the distraction tool away and see what happens. Absolutely. Well, and, and you, the first time you're like, I'm going to go be gone from my phone for four hours. You have to think about like, oh, well, do I really know where I'm going? And do I have my insurance card not on my phone and all kinds of like really stupid stuff. If you could turn back the clock and give yourself some advice, you were, you've been, you've sat in the seat for 12 years. You've seen the company grow tremendously. If you could go back in time and give yourself younger self advice, what would you tell yourself? Well, you know, I think of myself as extremely practical. So if you can't prove it to me on an Excel spreadsheet, (laughs) I struggle to get my mind around it. 
what I've tried to learn more recently is how to be a little bit impractical, practical, a little bit irrational and just say, how do we set goals that are, yeah, maybe they're completely unachievable, but they really set us out there with a much more uh, powerful trajectory. And so I'm really trying to like set aside reality more often uh, to try to embrace, uh, you know, kind of what's out, what, what the possibilities are. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. I, I think most people are dreamers. I'm actually a bit like you. I don't, I, I kind of, I don't want to say I'm negative, but I, <laughs> I tend to find Realistic. what's not possible. Yeah. I think I tend to find what's not possible versus what is possible, but I would, I would say the same thing. That's something I've been working on for myself. What have you done to work on that? That optimism, that belief system, what are you, what are you doing to, to improve that? Probably the most powerful thing is just surrounding myself with people who are willing to think that way with me. Because, I mean, if you're practical, for instance, you tend to surround yourself with practical people yeah, because that's how you like to hear things. And so if you can put some people around you who are willing to kind of think bigger, uh, all of a sudden you feel like, oh, yeah, that's possible. Let's do it. Like we can do this. And so I, I think just that simple orientation of finding people who can help you move in the direction you want to move in is, is amazing. Well, that is certainly good advice. You are, you'll become a little bit of what, you know, your peer circle is like. Chris, I want to say thanks again for joining us today on IT Visionaries. For those listening that are interested, we got to do a big shout out to our sponsor. Our sponsor, as everyone knows, is Salesforce Platform. Formstack fits in very nicely with Salesforce. If you're a customer of Salesforce, give Formstack a look. I'm sure it'll help automate some of your work faster. I know it will because... There's so much information in Salesforce used for so many different things. There's got to be something you're doing right now that requires paper or some type of manual copy and paste transfer. Like that's that's a thing of the past. Let's not do that anymore. Chris, thank you again for joining us today on IT Visionaries. Awesome, Albert. Great to talk. Look forward to it in the future. <laughs>